today we will be launching a new series called An Invitation to Wholeness. Uh, and it's really this idea of what it means to be whole, like our whole selves as God creators, as, as God created us and, and how God intended us to be. Uh, the question is, are we living that way? Do we know how to live that way? And what does it look like to continue living that way? And so uh, to that end, we will start this eight-week series on different aspects of what it means to be whole. What does that include? It includes justice, includes uh, spiritual disciplines, it includes serving others, includes uh, biblical literacy, it includes just intimacy with Christ. And so uh, we will be unpacking all of those throughout the weeks to come. And and as you entered, hopefully, and we'll get this to you if you haven't gotten one, uh, but it's a literal invitation that everyone from Bethany received, uh, all six locations, uh, and in this invitation to this journey, uh, there's a response card that I would love for you all to fill out by the end of the sermon, uh, and that it'll make more sense when we get there. And the question is this, the question, well, the question is, what is the question that you will consider today, uh, and what is my next step? And that'll all make more sense when we get there, but just know that that is at hand. There's also an invitation, or an actual invitation, uh, to the, uh, we're calling it Bethany at the Zoo. Uh, And on June 12th, all of Bethany locations, all six locations throughout Seattle, we will be worshiping together at the Woodland Park Zoo. And so this is the invitation for that. So with that said, today uh, we will start with uh, our scripture reading that comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. And the word of the Lord says this, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, What are the riches of his glorious inheritance amongst the saints? Let's pray. God, thank you this morning that we're able to gather here to learn more about you and how you've created us to be. And so, God, as we launch this series for the next eight weeks, God, would you just pour into our spirit, into our heart, convict us of the ways that we have failed But we thank you for your forgiveness, and we thank you for your encouragement, and we thank you for your love, grace, and mercy in order to continue to unfold and unpack what it means to be human, what it means to be your creation. And may we not just talk the talk of our faith, but really live that out with our whole selves. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Uh, so several years ago, when Maria, my wife, and I were, this is even pre-dating, actually, we were uh, in this weird season, uh, which we would call, you know, we were just hanging out. We were just seeing each other. We would go on our, you know, go on dates and, uh, you know, talk on the phone, or really, we just texted, you know, throughout the day. Uh, but this was prior to anything being official, uh, and really, it was only a couple weeks into this newfound friendship, new, new 
not quite relationship, but something right before that. Uh, and as we were talking about, you know, kind of where we were at, what we were feeling towards one another, uh, mind you, this is after about two weeks, uh, my, I decided to be, uh, or I thought I was being very romantic, and I said right out of the blue, okay, that settles it. We're boyfriend and girlfriend now, aren't we? Right? And to my surprise, her answer was no. And uh, kind of caught me off guard. Uh, but first of all, it wasn't a really romantic way of asking, hey, are, is this official? Hey, are we together? Are we boyfriend? Yeah, so it wasn't very romantic. It was just kind of out of the blue. Uh, and to my surprise, she said no. And, and her response is, well, it's a little bit, two weeks is a little early. Hey, it wasn't for me. Hey, when you know, you know, right, guys? Hey, anybody? When you know, you know. But for me, it wasn't too early. But for her, she was saying, no, not yet. She's like, we need to go on more dates. We need to get to know each other better. We need to see how we do conflict with one another. We need to learn more of what makes each other tick. More of our future aspirations. What are our goals? What do we want in life? Essentially, what she was saying is that Prentice... when it comes to dating and relationships, there's a process to be had. There's a process to be had. And maybe this is my confession, and maybe for you, you can resonate with this, but I feel like we are not very good when it comes to processing. We live in such an instant satisfaction, instant gratification kind of culture. So much so that it feels like we lose the ability to journey, to process, to endure. And we live in a world that ultimately perpetuates this ideology, this mentality. You know, for those of you that are in the dating world, we can date simply by swiping on our phones. We can order food. We can shop for clothes. We can get groceries without leaving our homes by clicking a button on our phones. We can type in an address on our phones that will tell us exactly how to get to a certain place and exactly how long it'll take and in the shortest amount of time and distance. I mean, we live in a time where convenience is king. We live in a time where we don't want to go through the struggle at all, and whatever is the easiest, whatever is the most convenient, that's what we want to do. We want to skip, go straight from A to Z, skip B, C, D, E, skip everything in between. And essentially what Maria was saying was that's what I was doing. After two weeks of, of knowing each other, uh, of just hanging out, I went immediately from A to Z. Hey, so now we're in a relationship, right? Well, no, there's a journey to be had. But our culture doesn't really appreciate that kind of journey. As a matter of fact, it promotes and sells things that are actually counter to that. And believe me, I, I use these apps I love, not the dating apps, I'm married, but I use the food apps, I use the grocery shopping apps, I use the, sh- the, the shopping for books and for clothes and whatever it is, I use my phone for directions. Uh, no longer are the days, remember where you have to go on a big old desktop, you go to, I'm dating myself, yahoomaps.com, 
and you have to get directions to a friend's house, and you're writing it down on paper. So when you get into your car, you use what you wrote down. And if you wrote something down wrong, you're in for a long, long day, long night. No longer are those days. Now we can just click it on our phones. We don't even have to read our own books anymore right now if we don't have to. We literally have somebody read it for us. Shout out to Audible, and I'm grateful for Audible because I get to read more. No longer do I have to walk my dog. I I can just call somebody. I can just hire somebody. I know that Maria loves walking our dog, but I can just click a button on my app uh, and have them walk the dog for me. Convenience is king. And maybe you can resonate with this. We'd rather choose convenience, ease, something that is faster, and we settle for whatever that is rather than going through the journey, though oftentimes this journey can be harder, it can take longer, but oftentimes it's better. And yet we settle for what is easier, what is more convenient, what is quicker. And we see this in our own lives. Maybe we jump into relationships because a bad relationship is still better than the pains of looking for one. Maybe it's in our careers where we cut corners or compromise our ethics because it's quicker than working and waiting and getting passed up sometimes. Maybe it's in our healing of trauma, of pain, of a bad experience, of a broken heart. And we'd rather sweep it under the rug because that's easier and that's faster than having to deal with the pain of grief, of the lament, of the reminders. Sadly, maybe it's going to substance. Maybe it's going to toxic and destructive websites on the internet. Maybe it's being addicted to our social media. Maybe it's being addicted to our jobs because you need a quick and easy out of whatever you might be dealing with. And I would say that in our faith, it's no different. When we wrestle with our faith, it's not just this one-time event. In many of us, we've experienced this one-time event where you say a prayer and you say, okay, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm done, let's move on with life. And the reality is, just like everything else, just like especially relationships, our relationship with God is a journey. But yet we, we treat it like it's, like it's a one-time event, like we check a box and we're good. And, and we forget that there's so much more. There's not just A to Z, but there's B, C, D, and F. And some of those moments in our faith is beautiful. And some of those moments are downright difficult and heartbreaking and challenging. But all of that is part of our faith journey. And all of that is what God uses to grow us. And not only grow us, but to teach us in order that we can also serve others. You know, I don't know about you, but when I became a Christian, I was sold a bill of lie, a myth that said hey, as soon as you become a Christian, as soon as you say yes to Jesus, like your life is going to be so amazing. 
There's nothing going to be better. It's going to be so just extravagant. And I would even say some, some churches will preach that once you become a Christian, you'll become wealthier. You won't experience illness. Right? And if you do, it's because of your lack of faith. Now, we at Bethany, we don't hold that position. As a matter of fact, out of all the promises, there's a promise that Jesus gives to his disciples is that, hey, guess what? Life is actually going to be hard. Life is actually going to be challenging. You're going to experience goodness, yes, but you're also going to experience a lot of heartache. That's actually a promise that Jesus gives to us and his disciples. And we see this all throughout the scriptures. Paul, the writer of the two-thirds of the New Testament, he talks about his suffering in almost every one of his letters. Peter was beheaded. His disciples were afraid for their lives. Every prophet in the Old Testament was afraid and was hated because of the message they brought. And what's worse is that we live in a, especially in a Christian subculture, where it says that if you're struggling in your faith or even doubting in your faith, it's because you're seemingly far away from God. And that is simply just untrue. Because it's part of our spiritual journey. I love what Robert Mulholland says. He has a book called The Invitation to a Journey. And he says this, much contemporary Christian spirituality tends to view the spiritual life as a static possession rather than a dynamic and ever-developing growth towards wholeness in the image of Christ. And when Paul was writing to the Ephesians, this is something he wanted all of the new believers and the Christians to know. The whole purpose of Ephesians was to encourage the saints, the believers, saying, I know that sometimes you go uh, through heartache and pain. Sometimes you go through goodness. Sometimes you re- you're experiencing persecution and even violence and hatred. But all of that, Paul is saying that God is going to use that. God is going to be with you. God's going to walk alongside you. And that is a part of our lives. Just because you claim to be a Christian doesn't mean that life is going to be so extravagant and so joyful. Yes, there is everlasting joy with Christ. Yes, there is hope. Yes, there is a relationship that gives us everlasting joy. But there's also the human side that God does not stray away from. As a matter of fact, God promises that we will also include in our lives. And so Ephesians chapter, seven, chapter 1, verse 17, what we read, Paul says this, I pray that the God of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. And some translations will say, as you come to know him better. As you come to know him better. Now, Jesus would give you the spirit as we and the spirit of wisdom and revelation as we get to know Jesus in a more intimate, in a more personal way. You see, when the New Testament writer Paul he writes to know, when you know. When you come to know Jesus better, is what Paul's saying, you will be filled with wisdom and revelation. 
You will be filled with, with grace and mercy and compassion all throughout the New Testament. As you come to know Jesus better, God gives you wisdom and revelation to go on in life and to experience and to see hope and joy. Now, this word, to know him better, is this word epigenosis. Now, uh, in the Greek language, there's two words for knowledge. One is gnosis, is to know. One is epigenosis, also to know. Now, the root word is gnosis, but the difference with, between these two is the word epi, E-P-I, epigenosis. And, and epi is a conjugation. It's a word that means near or next to. Near or next to. And so the biggest difference between these two words is that gnosis is a word of just information. We have a lot of information. We know a lot about a lot of things. In fact, we know a lot just from the palm of our hands. I always give this example. Remember the days where you're in a conversation and you don't know something and you just move on? Now we live in a day where if you don't know something, we can know it by pulling out our phones. Well, hold on. I know the answer to that. Shh. Because Google obviously always gives the right answer and always the accurate answer. Uh, but we live in a day, uh, an age of information. We know we have gnosis uh, of a lot of things and even a lot of people. Whether true or not, we have that kind of information in the palm of our hands. Now, epigenosis is to know, but it's not just to have information of, but it's to know because we are beside or next to or near the very thing that we have information about. And so what Paul is saying specifically is, as we epigenosis, as we get to know God in a more personal and experiential and relational way, then God will fill us with wisdom and revelation of who God is in our lives and how we should live and how we can experience wholeness. And so Paul is saying to his people, don't just know about Jesus there was a lot, of, a lot of words and a lot of hearsay and a lot of conversation. A lot of people in the first century knew about Jesus. And what Paul is saying, don't just know about Jesus, but know Christ. Be next to Christ. Have a relationship with Christ. And it's through that relationship God will continue to show you with wisdom and revelation what it means to be whole, what it means to heal, what it means to be forgiven, what it means to experience joy and joy everlasting, the very essence of how we were created in the first place before the fall. And so if you want to know what it means to be whole, if we want to know what it means to live exactly the way God intended us to live, then it's to epigenosis. It's to know Jesus in a personal and relational way. One commentator says this, the two words generally translated as knowledge are gnosis and epigenosis. Whereas gnosis conveys the idea of just knowing, epigenosis is a knowledge that involves a full discernment which is to become fully acquainted with or to have a full understanding of something or someone. 
And so the words that Paul uses here are highly relational, highly experiential. And to have knowledge based, to have a, to have a knowledge of Christ based off of relationship or experience, not just information. Not just information. And then in verse 18, it says this, so that, so that, so, so that may you have knowledge, not just a gnosis, but an epigenosis, being next to Christ, getting to know Christ, so that you may have wisdom and discernment, so you know how to be whole, you know what it looks like, so that, in verse 18, the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. You may know what is the hope in which he has called you, what are riches of his glory, inheritance among the saints. I love that verse. I love the words, so that your, the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. You see, in the first century, the heart is where knowledge was, knowledge and understanding you have to understand that this was before the advancement of neuroscience, uh, where we know that a lot of our cognition is from our brain. But during the first century, in the ancient times, they believed that the brain was actually nothing. As a matter of fact, when people died, they would actually rip the brain out of the body, but they would save the intestines and the liver and the kidneys uh, and the heart because they believed that that is where we cognitively function. And so with that in mind, Paul says, with the eyes of your heart, may your eyes of your heart, where, you, where, where understanding and information is seated, may the eyes of your heart be enlightened. And the word enlightened is this Greek word, photizo. Photizo, where we get the word photography or photo, it means light. It means light. And what Paul is saying is that with the wisdom and revelation that you experience as you draw closer to Christ, Christ will then give you your knowledge and your, your knowledge enlightened. And so may we be a people that look to Christ, that draw near to Christ. And what Christ does in the midst of that personal relationships is he shines a light in our lives. And almost like photography and takes pictures of our lives saying, you know what? This has all been a part of your spiritual journey. This has all been part of your spiritual journey isn't just this one time prayer, what Jesus is saying is as you get more filled with wisdom and discernment, what will happen is you'll get all these photographs, all these photos in your brain, in your mind, in your heart of what your journey entails and and where it's going. Uh, So for example, uh, whenever I go to my parents' house, or oftentimes, and maybe you have this experience too, is, especially with Maria, my family will bring out a photo album, and, and will show pictures of my life. And, and w- these photo albums and pictures of me will have the good, the bad, and everything in between. But in the midst of that entire photo collection, my, typically my mom would say, this was your, li- this, it was your childhood. 
This has been your story. Again, whether good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. I remember one summer, my family, I was maybe six or seven years old. We went to Korea as a big family trip with my relatives, including my cousin, uh, who was much older at the time. And for whatever reason, he thought it would be funny if at every single picture that we took, I would stick up a particular finger of my hand. Now, I didn't know exactly what it meant. I didn't know why I did it. My cousin said, it'd be really cool and it'd be really fun if you did it. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Uh, And I don't know if my parents, you know, as immigrant parents, if they knew exactly what was happening. I don't think they did. I don't know, like, you're number one, mom, you're great. I don't know what was happening. But when we look into this photo album, we get to this section of this trip to Korea, and I kid you not, probably like eight out of ten pictures of my Korea trip included me with my middle, not my, a finger up. And, but it was all in the photo album. And I'm like, Mom, why do you still have this here? And she's like, this is part of our story. This is our trip. This is our life. This was when you were injured. Hey, remember when you got stitches? Hey, remember when you graduated? Hey, remember when you got into, like, the whole story, what, what my mom was doing through this photo album was shining light on every aspect of our lives, of my life. And with that image that I see, there's wisdom and discernment. Okay, I am who I am because of that experience. I am who I am, and I can serve others because of that experience. All the good, the joys, the bad, and everything in between. God has given me wisdom and discernment by shining a light in all my experiences. Because that is the spiritual journey. We're all living a spiritual journey. And my hope and prayer is that we look back and we see snapshots of the way that God has been moving in our lives. Because that has been the journey. And may we have so much grace and compassion for ourselves. Because God has grace and compassion for you. Because when I say think back, I bet you can think about all the negative things you've done. All the mistakes that you've made. All the people that you've hurt. And God is saying, yes, I want you to change. And yes, I want you to do things different. But all of this encompasses who you are today. And God's hope and prayer from the words of Paul is that you have received more wisdom and more revelation to do things differently this time around. Or maybe you look at your life and you have, you're filled with gratitude. God, thank you for family. Thank you for friends. God, thank you for this trip. Thank you for this experience and whatever that is. And we look back and we can connect the dots and say, oh God, you have blessed me so greatly. Thank you for this journey that I've been on. Maybe we can look back on our biggest pains and our biggest hurts and you can say, God, you have brought me back to the other side. Thank you for this journey. And I can serve and I can help others along the way. A few, actually probably a couple years ago now, I read this book called, uh, and Maria reminded me of this, I read this book called Attached. I forgot who the author is, but it's a book on attachment theory. And then when Maria and I were driving just yesterday, we were listening to a podcast 
uh, talking about different styles of attachment. Uh, and the bottom line is, A, the theory is that we all have our own attachment theories or attachment styles, whether you're secure, whether you're anxious, whether you're distant, whether, you know, you're, they wouldn't use this word, but codependent or whatever it is, there's different styles of attachment. And a part of understanding our attachment style is really by looking at our entire lives. And a lot of it, uh, as you may have guessed, has a lot to do with the way that we were raised, a lot to do with our family systems, a lot of things that we experienced. And I can point to, okay, I feel like I know what my attachment style is because of all the things that I've experienced and remember and how I've grown up. See, we all have a story that forms us and shapes us, sometimes for, for good and sometimes for growth. And my hope for all of us in this series is that we would, A, acknowledge that our faith journey is exactly that. It's a journey. And in that journey, we can recognize the ways that God has been working in our lives, sometimes for good, sometimes for growth, through painful moments, through hard experiences, but all of that encompasses who we are, and God forms us uniquely in that way. And so what I want us to do this morning, I want to end with, uh, we're going get to get to this, I'm going to invite the worship team back up for a time of reflection, but I want to end with this. Robert Mulholland, the same uh, author of the, of the book I quoted earlier, says this, when spirituality is viewed as a journey, the way to spiritual wholeness is seen to lie in an increasingly faithful response to the one whose purpose shapes our path, whose grace redeems our detours. I love that whose power liberates us from crippling bondages of the prior journey and whose transforming presence meets us at each turn in the road. In other words, holistic spirituality is a pilgrimage of deepening responsiveness to God's control of our life and being. Again, our faith is a journey. And God, whether you know it or not, has been with you on that journey every step of the way. God will continue to be on that journey with you every step of the way with forgiveness, with compassion, with joy, with excitement. And so what I want us to do is I want us to pull out our response cards uh, and if you didn't get one, could you raise your hand, and we will bring you a response card uh, and also a pen for you to fill this out. And the first question is this. What question do you want to consider? And the question that I would pose to you is, how would I describe my faith today? That's my question for you this morning. Here's the question I want you to consider. How would I describe my faith 
this morning. On this journey of faith, what, what is a word or two or a sentence that describes your faith? And I want to encourage you to be completely vulnerable and honest and authentic. Maybe in your faith journey, the words that describe where you're at is excitement, it's fullness, it's joy, it's intimacy, it's wholeness, it's a connection with God. I have never felt more connected with God than ever before. But I know that's not everybody's story. Shoot, that's not my story if I, when I write in this, this afternoon. Maybe it's, God, right now, in my faith journey, you seem distant. You seem questionable. Maybe there's skepticism. Because even disbelief is part of your faith journey, your spiritual journey. Or maybe it's somewhere in between. I feel content. I feel comfortable. I feel apathetic, maybe. I feel bored. I've even used that word before. question I want you to consider is how would you describe your faith today? And really the next step kind of speaks for itself. The question then is this. My next step, well really the question is what is my next step? Uh, I, I think for many of us, <clears throat> as we consider the question, where am I in my faith journey? What describes my faith journey right now? The next step is just that, to figure out what the next step is. Do I need to fill myself up with more community? Do I need to be in a small group? Do I need to be around people that will encourage me in my faith? Do I need to serve others? There's something about the way that we're, that we're, that we're wired is that when we serve others, we see the beauty of God. There's a wholeness that we receive through experiencing, serving others, through pursuing justice, through speaking the truth. Is my next step just simply to be still? to saturate myself in scripture, to pray. Gosh, maybe for some of us, we can sit back and say, you know what? I haven't prayed in so long. I haven't prayed in so long. I haven't read the Bible in so long. And so maybe it's not just wanting to know about God, but epigenosis, to be draw, to, to draw near to God by, by learning and by knowing God's character and God's nature through prayer, through scripture, through solitude, through journaling, through walks around your community, praying for people, walks around nature, thanking God for beauty. are you in your faith? What describes your faith journey? And what might be your next step towards that? I'm going to pray. We're going to continue singing. But just take a moment before you join to ponder the answers or what you want to write down. Then when you are done, 
hold on to that. Put it in your Bible. Put it somewhere where you can see it every day. Put it on your dresser. Put it in your car. So we can continue to be reminded of where, we, where we're at and where we want to go. God, thank you that you have taken us on a journey of faith and you continue to do so. You have not abandoned us. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. Help us to remember that. Help us to seek you. Help us to know you, not just uh, through information, but through intimacy. And God, would you put on our hearts ways that we can continue to press into that? Is it reading scripture? Is it sitting in prayer and solitude and going on walks, surrounding ourselves in fellowship, enjoying your beauty through nature? Whatever it is, God, would you just put on our hearts what that next step is? And may we be reminded of that. God, many of us, we bring our own baggage to our journey with you. But that baggage you, you love, you appreciate, you use to grow us and to serve others. And we thank you for that redemption. I love that in this quote it says, you are the one who gives us purpose of our path, whose grace redeems our detours, whose power liberates us from crippling bondages of a prior journey whose transforming presence meets us at each, turn in the, at each turn in the road. Thank you for doing all of that. You redeem our stories, our journey. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Let's continue in worship.